Hey everybody, welcome back to Pixel It. It's uh, Kevin here, and with me as always is Phil, and we're still talking about Halo, The Fall of Reach. Boo boo, boo boo, boo boo, boo boo! Is it like air horn sounds? Is that what we're... Yeah, the kid, the kids, kids like kids that, like right? that. That's what they're into. So we left the, off video, uh, video game playing kids. Yeah, yeah, the children's. Uh, we left off our, our audience, <laughs> our audience, children. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're off to a great start here. <laughs> Episode nine is just rocking and rolling, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentle thems. Yeah. It's it's really just kicking off. Uh, right into section three, which is called Sigma Octanus. Did you like that transition right into the, oh, smooth. smooth. And in the book, uh, at least in the Kindle version, there's like two titles to this section. I don't know why it's section three, Sigma Octanus. And then the next thing is a poster. I guess it's like a motivational poster on the next page. That what I don't have that in my, in my so, paperback. So it's, it probably came from a newer edition of the book. Because it's on sure. it's on the Kindle version. So it goes the section title, section three, Sigma Octanus. And then the next page is a, is like a motivational poster of Master Chief kind of like running. And it just says momentum. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that. I mean, how could you not be inspired how by could, something? like How that? could you not be inspired? Ensign William Lovell, new character being introduced. Chapter 15. He's a dude. Uh, over on some place, he's he's on Archimedes, and uh, you know that famous character from that Disney movie. Um, yeah, yeah. was it the Sword in the Stone? Yeah, Sword in the Stone. Sword in the that stone. was the owl. Archimedes, the owl. And I think, but Archimedes, I believe, was a Roman philosopher. No, he was an owl, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, I forgot, I forgot. I missed that part. <laughs> Damn it. Anson William Lovell Archimedes. on the Archimedes. On the Archimedes. Um, it is it is midnight on uh, the outpost of Archimedes. And William Lovell is is um, hitting on his computer. Yeah. Right off the bat. Yep. He, uh, he, he, yep they, they, the computer says good morning to him. And I guess it's got a lady voice. And, uh, and so he he says morning sexy and I and and right off the bat I'm like okay I feel way too comfortable with this guy I I, I know who he is I feel like I'm playing him in the film adaptation he's the things we'll find out about him is is he's lazy he doesn't really want to be there he has literally found the job that requires the least amount of effort on his part and uh, he's seen some shit i'm like well i've just i've got too much in common with this guy <laughs> i am not comfortable with that not comfortable he hits on inanimate objects it's all weird it's, it's all it's weird just an odd, uh, and his password is there once was a girl there once was a girl yeah um, yeah, which I I don't know what that if that is that a reference or is that you know I looked that up I I, I don't think it is I took way too much time looking at that because he it says he typed there once was a girl uh, read, uh listeners it's all one word right there once and a are all capitalized and was and girl is not capitalized and I spent way too much time this tells you the kind of reader I am I would have I would have read twice as many pages in this section 
if I had, if I could get over that and stop going, well, what does that signify? What is why is, why is girl uncapitalized and, you know, and, and was, isn't there once a TOA W I don't, uh, nah, and, and, and then I fell asleep and I had to start all over again the next day. Yeah. There's it. I don't know if there's like there's like a song in the back of my mind that is and I I, well, I, I don't know. I immediately or maybe you're thinking of this I, I immediately thought of Nature Boy. Right, Nat King Cole. There but that's there was a boy. Ah. Uh, right. But that's that's the only yeah, I, I thought of that too, but I don't no, know. No, there's like a there's like a mid mid nineties rock song that I feel like Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, there once was a girl, it's his password. It may mean something, but it probably doesn't. Hey everybody, your friend Future Kevin here. Just to clarify, I figured out what I was thinking about. It was the song Mm-mm-mm-mm by the Crash Test Dummies, which includes the lyric, Once there was this girl, which is not the same line. Anyway, on with the show. But we, we find out a little bit about, about Ensign Lovell. Uh, or Lavelle, if you want, and uh, and he was he was he started out as the golden boy, didn't he? He was he was the kind of you know naval young naval officer that was just shooting up through the ranks, uh, and then and then he 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 just as quickly as he gained a bunch of ranks, he lost a bunch of them because giving him that point, taking him, he's up and down the the ladder. He's just, he's just a, he's a wild card. He's a loose cannon. And I'm going to go that his name is pronounced Lovell because I think he's a, Lovell. he's a, I think he's a, um, that's a reference to Jim Lovell, the astronaut. Oh, maybe. I okay. don't know. I don't know. Maybe, or maybe, maybe it was from a name generator. Who knows? But I think one of the, the big things that we learned from this chapter, other than Ensign Lovell, who becomes character later and he also discovers something um is we learn about the cole protocol which is basically which, the pro- i thought this was really cool it's it's pretty neat it's basically the fail safe that is given to all un space command ships uh to basically get rid of all of their data all of their their navigation data in case they encounter covenant ships yeah, it, it's it's the it's a it's a um, what do you call it scorched earth policy, right? Uh, and it's really it's fascinating because uh, he has to it literally they they have this document that has the protocol on it, and before work every day before his shift he has to read it every day, and they have retinal tracking to make sure that he actually reads the damn thing, and it points out that he's got it all memorized at this point but they they do not take chances he says later he doesn't blame them for not taking chances because it's absolutely shithouse out there but i thought that was there was something vaguely like i don't know vaguely fascist and, and, <laughs> yeah. and uncomfortable but it. it was it was a nice touch i thought it was it's a, a really very neat nice touch. touch but uh, what we're finding out i mean and we've had these these qualms so to speak about about the way the the UN uh, is kind of run in this universe. Oh yeah, it, sure. you know, it, with the rebels and stuff like that, or the way the rebels are painted, it feels a little fashy. Mm-hmm. A little, a little. A and, I, and I, as I point, and as I pointed out before, I'm I'm a Warhammer 40k fan, where the 
literal good guys are fascists in space. Uh, you know, and so this is nothing compared to that, but you still pick up on stuff like that. The good guys are bad guys and the bad guys are worse guys. Exactly. Exactly. And the only thing worse than a worse guy is a bad worse guy, which you learn um, with the heretics. Which you learn repeatedly with the 40,000, no pun intended, Warhammer 40K novels. I'm going, there are so many, I'm going to trick you into reading one. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to make us, I'm going to, I'm going to force us to do a few episodes where we read a 40 K novel and then we review uh, a 40 K game. Okay. And I don't know if that counts based on our parameters, but I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. Those books are crazy. We'll broaden the scope just for you. Yay. (laughs) I mean, I'm 50% of the hosts here. I feel like I've got a little bit of weight to throw around. There you go. Um, Not a ton, but a little. This, yeah, yeah. Um, Enough. So Lovell f- finds something in space. Um, yeah. And you, it's, you're never finding anything good in space. Let's let's be honest, yeah. folks. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, he, and he never expects to find anything because the whole point of him taking the job that he took, that, that post, is that nothing's ever out there. So it's just a really intensely boring job where nothing ever happens. And that's why he took it. Cause he, he's clearly got some PTSD and, and clearly he's, he's really not happy with the way things are going. He's probably lost some friends and it's, he just, it's clear that yeah. he's seen some shit. He just wants to hang out on the Archimedes, uh, watch his program, which is an owl, <laughs> which is an owl, um, which is an owl, watch his programs, read a few books and that's yeah. it. That's all he wants. Again, me, in space like it, it would have done the exact same thing just a stack of paperbacks and and a shitty boring job but today is not a boring day yeah because he sees something he sees something <laughs> and he still doesn't even believe that it is anything um right. initially he just like he just like sends it off because he believes as he probably should that it's nothing because it's never been anything before and right. the, it's just some blip. It's, it's just, just a blip. some blip. Chapter ends. Ensign Lovell uh, kicked up his boots and reclined once again, feeling perfectly safe in his little corner of the universe. There you go. Um, yeah. So that was a mistake. Feeling perfectly safe. As we find out in chapter oh, 16. Yeah. 16, where you find out why, why, why safety is just... Never a good standard demeanor in this in this world. So Nothing good happens. Phil, as you apologized last episode, um, here he is. He's actually the first three words of this chapter. Mm. Commander Jacob Commander Keys. Jacob Keys. <laughs> <laughs> but as I also rescinded uh, my apology. You did rescind that apology. I, I rescinded it because I'm never wrong and only the weak uh, admit their mistakes. I have to assume that this is a different character from the Jacob Keys we met in the very, very beginning of this book. Uh, and it's just uh, over, you know, an oversight on the author's part and a flaw uh, of Eric Nyland's and not of mine, uh, because I am perfect in every way. Yeah. In any case, this new, this brand new character, Commander Jacob Keys, uh, we we he is <laughs> on the bridge <laughs> of the UNSC destroyer 
Iroquois, which I thought was awesome. I was like, that's yeah. a great name for a for a, a destroyer. Yeah, I like it. No, if if you don't know anything about the Iroquois, change that. Like, learn about the Iroquois. They were fucking badasses. So cool. So I'm 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 all about it right off the bat. So what's happening on the Iroquois, Kevin? <laughs> um. So Keys is just kind of floating around and they he's he's so part of this chapter is Keys's inner monologue on how shitty his crew is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it really is. It, he's just kind of rolling his eyes at them. He's like, these are all terrible and, people. <laughs> and, and we learned that he himself is just he's not all that well respected. He's a teacher. Yeah, he's a former know, professor uh, who got. Yeah. Pulled into active duty because they were running out of they were running out of commanding officers. <laughs> right. So not a lot of people have a ton of faith in him. You know, they don't no one really takes him all that seriously. And so his crew is is kind of the uh, the B squad. Let's just say it's it's whoever's left. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, pretty much. So he li- he has one person that he likes. Um, uh, Dominique, Lieutenant Dominique. Um, mm-hmm. who is read with a, a terrible French accent in <laughs> in the yeah. audio version of the book, which yeah, it for, drifts for, in and out. <laughs> we we've talked about the audio book version of this, and and I I mean I I love audio books. I'm I'm a huge fan. Um, and and but this kind of thing does often. It's not the author's fault. No. <laughs> This is and not the author's you, fault. I'm just pointing no. it out. <laughs> and you kind of can't really blame the uh, the narrator because the in this chapter, for example, in the following chapters, there are about a half a dozen characters. Um, right. And uh, and and so it's not enough for him just to do a lighter voice for uh, lady genders and a deeper voice for manly genders. He's got to he's got to come up with other things. So he kind of throws accents into them. And the French one was okay. Yeah. But later he does like a vaguely Jamaican slash Caribbean one. Yeah. Which I didn't think was necessary. <laughs> yeah. And then he, he starts slipping into like the Japanese one for Lieutenant Hikawa. Oh, and I was like, oh, boy, oh, man, buddy, like you really yeah. just shouldn't have done accents at all. But I don't think we needed that. We don't, we don't need this. <laughs> now, for those of you who are just reading the book uh, or, or otherwise not reading it, you have no idea what we're talking about. But trust me when I say it, it in the audiobook, it does get a little distracting. It gets it's, a little bit distracting, um, especially since they're not even referenced as necessarily having these accents in the text no no i mean they 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 no no they and only and there's only the vaguest sense of where they might originally be from like there's this you know you he mentions that she's japanese i believe and i think another person he vaguely mentions where they're from but it's otherwise no there's not really anything going there yeah um we try. He he tried. Everyone tried. And it was just and I got to tell you, if we're if we're nitpicking, if this is where we're nitpicking, it still says something about the quality of this book. It's still a really good book. Basically, after he's done dumping on his uh, crew, he receives a he receives a message, a file 
who's remembering something from when he was teaching about covenant ships in slipstream space. And mm-hmm. he they're looking at the Archimedes data and he sees this this mass in the da- in the Archimedes data and he opens a file and uh, this was authored. This is actually a nice touch. So the author is Lieutenant Commander Fajad 034. Um, that is that's one of the former Spartans. Oh, shit. That slipped right by me. So, oh, my gosh. He, one of the former, like one of the ones that, that, did, that didn't, didn't make, make it, it through, through the the, uh, uh, the augmentations. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. And they and they had said, we'll find other things well, for them to do. Exactly. So, so there it is. Pajad is working uh, as, I guess, an astrophysicist uh, for the ONI and writes this paper about the way things look in slipstream space. And that's when it, Which, and that is when Keyes makes the connection that the Archimedes report isn't just some sort of uh anomaly it is actually the covenant right and 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 i thought that was a nice touch in the he talks about uh and and for those of you who who this is the the the, the gist of what slipstream space is for me is like if you're in star wars world it's hyperspace if it's uh you know if, if you're in warp 40k it's the warp yeah uh so you know yeah star trek it's the warp and also, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that that's what we're looking at. And he talks about that the Covenant have techniques that they use where they can actually position their ships. They're so, so good at traveling through slipstream space that they can position their ships just so. So you think it's just a single ship, uh, but then like a dozen of them come out of slipstream space and, and, and you're ambushed, uh, which I thought was really cool. Right. And um, yeah, yeah. So the the UNSC has is not able to do that. They have to fly pretty much very far apart from each other through slipstream space because they risk running into each other. Um, And so basically they're figuring out how many ships it is. They're they're guessing that it's four frigates. Um, They're they're basically they're getting ready to go because they realize that the Sigma Octanus system is going to be under attack. They're go- they got to get more ships in. He he warns Admiral Stansforth, who Stansforth or Stanford. Am I saying that right? Uh, Stanford. There we go. Stans- Admiral yeah, yeah. Stanforth. Stanforth. Uh, he he was the guy with the. Um, he had the AI that looked like Palpatine. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> The heavily robed AI. <laughs> Destroy the rebels. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> Do it. Do it. Get into slipstream. Do it. Join the dark side of the UNSC. <laughs> Would you like to see my slipstream? <laughs> it's underneath my robe. <laughs> All I have to do is slip off my robe and you'll see my stream. <laughs> so, I'm really upset with myself. <laughs> you should be. I should be. <laughs> yeah, agreed. In that we are in full agreement. Um, so they have a couple of frigates that are inbound, the Allegiance and the Gettysburg. Which I like the I like the fact that they have it's the Gettysburg that is yeah. one of the ships because there's actually some 
parallels to the way this battle kind of plays out to the Battle of Gettysburg. If I had mm. dust off my my history nerd <laughs> thing, um, basically the way Gettysburg plays out is there are Confederate soldiers, a Confederate uh, unit spotted approaching the city of Gettysburg. They're actually approaching a shoe factory because they need new shoes. There is a Union uh, unit that sees them and basically gets in their way. So in this case, the Iroquois is basically like that initial union force that kind of observes it. And then what ends up happening is both sides keep calling and sending out messages until it becomes one of the largest engagements of the entire civil war. That's yeah. kind of, it so, wasn't some grand battle that was like planned. It wasn't weeks in planned. advance or anything. No, no, it wasn't planned. Yeah. It was just some happenstance of these two, uh, two brigades running into each other, turning into this massive conflict. Uh, so having one of the frigates called the Gettysburg in a conflict that almost shapes out kind of like Gettysburg is 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 kind of cool. I love that. I love that. I, I, I hope that's why. But if Eric Nyland is a smart man, and I think he is, uh, if he were to have someone ask him that, whether he meant it to be that way or not, if he's a smart man, he'd just go, oh, yeah, totally planned. Totally it. planned it that way. Yep. Yep, you got to do it, man. Yeah, uh, and so, but unfortunately, those frigates—they're uh, coming in at maximum speed, but it's going to take them an hour to get there, which basically means they're toast. Yeah, you know, it's—it's it's only going to take a few minutes for them to get annihilated by, you know, him and his and his third-rate C-class crew, C-class crew, know. with the he, and he's a B-class commander. He's a professor. Right. He's a professor who is now. He's, all all analysis, you know, that's that's what he he he's not he doesn't have a lot of, you know, he's 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 uh, he's watched a bunch of pornos, but he hasn't done a lot of fucking. You know what I mean? And that's that's where he is at this point. <laughs> that is the best analogy I think you have ever brought up on this show. Thank you, sir. I, Thank I think, you. I try. I think that's a real winner. That's what I'm here for, my friend. All right. So we're into chapter 17. We're still with keys and the Keystone cops. <laughs> and, and can I just say, by the way, that I have never I, 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 I have never done a lot of reading of naval engagements, you know, like I just the, 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 the usually when I read military or you know, warry kind of books or stories or that sort of thing. It's the boots on the ground, swords and clubs and spears and guns and right. that kind of thing. Right. Uh, I've never been terribly interested in the naval battle kind of genre, so to speak. This chapter changed my fucking mind. <laughs> this is good. I'm just right before we even get into it. I'm just going to say like this, this, this battle that's about to take place. Nyland did such a good job that I was like, fuck, I might need to find some cool, like, battles on the high seas or in space kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't think I would be into that. It, I, it was so good. It, it, so, it, yeah. It, yeah. You ever you ever think something isn't your shit and then you find you find it that it is totally your shit? That's this oh, chapter. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but but en- enough about my sex life. Uh, <laughs> and uh <laughs> so he's he is there and they are basically facing down death is on its way and 
basically, and I think this is good writing because it, he basically says that the only thing in this point that he can do is look calm. So he immediately puts his pipe away because he's going to be seen to be fidgeting with it. And he wants his crew to believe sincerely. He has everything in control, no matter how bad it looks. And if they see him fidgeting with a pipe, then he's, you know, that's that's just right. A little giveaway. Exactly. So basically, he's just trying to keep his himself level at this point. Right. So this is this chapter. And and we're not going to go through all of the things that that they do. Um, no, no, no. Do yourself a favor and just buy the buy book the book and, and, and read this chapter. Yeah. It is got there is a lot of cool, cool little things that happen. Um, but in, in terms of the broad strokes, um, basically keys figures out a way to kind of maneuver around the planet to, to kind of like avoid getting hit completely by the, the covenant ships. And meanwhile, he's dealing with a crisis on the, on the bridge because one of his lieutenants is basically starting to refuse orders um yeah he's uh, he's he's committing yeah oh he is he's gonna get court-martialed like he is fucked yeah uh yeah yeah, lieutenant jaggers basically wants to just flee he wants to wants to get out of there and and you know uh keys is like no we actually can't do that (laughs) i don't i like i don't know what his because that's the thing they basically said now here my thinking is this on one hand at just like any action movie in a moment like this, when you can tell that your protagonist has some trick up his sleeve that he's trying out and he's not going to tell you how the magic trick works right? Uh, until, until the very end. Um, and I know that's what, he, but he even says later on in the next chapter, uh, he, he even says, maybe I should have told them what I was planning. Uh, but, they do a really good job of keeping the suspense up because it's like, we have seven seconds left. We have five seconds left. So he doesn't have time to go, listen, this is what I'm planning on doing. Uh, But you have to, they're they're facing down death no matter what. So I would feel like (laughs) I just want to slap this kid because it'd be like, what what do you, we're going to die. Right. If we, we're going to die either way. Like, so we might as well give something a try here. Uh, but he he freaks out and and literally says we're going to die right at a certain point and it's like oh he's just he's lost it he's lost it he's lost it he lost his cool um so basically yep. he um he's they it, and I feel like I've I've I feel like I've seen this maneuver somewhere else before but he basically gets these torpedoes locked onto him and then hits like directs them around so that the covenant destroyer hits itself with its own torpedoes. Was it, isn't that kind yeah. of what happens? He basically, the first thing he does is he sends off uh, a, a torpedo uh, away from the, the, uh, the covenant. That's fleet. right. That's and right. And then, he, yeah. And then he, and then he does this, he orders this really sharp movement, um, where he, he he almost rams the ship and they're so de- basically long story short they become so distracted by the maneuvers that he's pulling off that the covenant ships basically just walk into the nuke <laughs> right exactly and uh yeah and 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 it takes down their shields and it gives them the time to uh fire uh, some 
Mac at them uh, and it, it brings them the brings most of them down. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's yeah, it's, it's it's a suicide mission. It's a suicide but, but mission. Like they, they're they're one on what are they one on four, one on two, um, one on four, one on four. And, um, you know, just as the battle is is wrapping up, um, they realize that the aliens are putting drop ships onto onto Sigma Octanus uh, right. towards a city called Cote de Jour on Sigma Octanus. And basically the battle's ra- wrapping up now. They've they've basically destroyed the ships, but the Covenant has dropped has put its drop ships uh onto the planet. And um they're they're sending out like the messages to the allegiance in Gettysburg, which should be showing up shortly. But because but by this point, the Iroquois is out of the fight, you know, after <laughs> out, out. Like, yeah, they are they they they've got their their shields are fucked. Their they are their reactors fucked. Basically, they have no choice but to literally hide behind the planet. Th- yeah, like the and, bottom, and the bottom, a little bit. The bottom of the hull is just like gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. We find out in the next chapter when they because he came so close to them and and this was hilarious. I thought it was a funny detail. Uh, they have these emergency canisters at different points in the ship that will uh, go off and <laughs> they literally, it's, it's literally something mixing with hydrogen peroxide. Uh, uh, they, they say that and it, and it sends out a bunch of gas that causes the ship to take a really dramatic turn. Mm. And he does that right before they run into uh, the cover, one of the covenant vessels. And you find out in the next chapter that basically a single degree in one direction or another would have caused an, a, a massive hole breach that would have killed them all. <laughs> it's just, it's just amazing. It It's really good writing. It, it really, yeah, it's nice and tense and it's got those little miracles in it. You know, like these, these characters basically get through all of this by the skin of their teeth and yeah. just and, a, and a slight deviation would have wrecked it all. Right. And he's already hearing people at a certain point when they, they're, they're starting they're they're uh, you know, he can't do anything about the drop ships that are coming into the onto the planet. You know, they t- the, the admiral tells him, right. hey, it's the Marines problem now. So you need to take care of your ship, take care of your crew. And he's already hearing people whispering about this crazy, amazing thing that he pulled off. And he feels kind of some guilt. Uh, the, the, the educator in him. Right. Uh, kind of feels guilt because he wants to tell him like, I did, this was not, you know, this was not a good move. This was a desperate move. <laughs> right. Like, don't you know, do I this. did this because, yeah, I did. I, you know, it's like, it could have absolutely killed us, but we were absolutely going to die no matter what. So it was worth a shot. And it, and it just, happened to work we rolled a 20 and it happened to work <laughs> yes <laughs> you know and and so he he goes to bed he he literally he, he takes he goes to his his chambers he says leave me alone he said until the next shift leave me the hell right. alone and he pours himself some some 75 year old scotch that his his dad gave him at a, at some point when he was a, a young buck and uh and uh and he has and he has a uh, before he can even like start enjoying the whiskey, he's immediately interrupted by the admiral showing up. Right, 
And uh, what happens then, Kevin? What, what 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 happens to our dear Captain Keys? Keys is sitting there in the room, and he's he's thinking it's Dominique, who is his favorite, but he's still annoyed. <laughs> and he says, Lieutenant right, Dominique, right. I said I was not to be disturbed. And then the Vice Admiral walks in, and uh, they basically, they have a little, you know, back and forth. Um, he pours... The vice admiral, some of his whiskey, his his whiskey that his dad gave him um, and stands forth. Stand forth is like trying to congratulate Keys and Keys is like, no, don't pl- please don't tell me that it was good. <laughs> stand forth. Yeah, 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 exactly. Sa- holds up a finger and says, don't inter- interrupt me, son. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, basically. um Stanforth just gives him the lowdown. Uh, the aliens are assaulting Cote d'Azur. Um, there's really not much that they can do, only that it's weird that it's happening. That Keyes points out that it's really weird that this is happening because the Covenant mm. never does this. They never do this. They invade, right. they glass a planet, and then they leave. So what is different now? And this is where like Keyes' Keys's professorship is like, is churning and like what's going on here? What's different? Why is he's the academic in him is starting to, to uh, start kick, start kicking off. Um, right. But then stands for Stanforth leaves and by and hands him a, a new brand new rank uh, medallion to put on his uniform. And now commander keys is now captain keys. No, it's the other way around, I think. Oh, is it? No, no, he's, yeah, that's right. Fuck. No, yeah, commander, then captain. Yep. Commander, then captain. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he's gotten his, 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 uh, a very <laughs> quick promotion and, uh, he's overwhelmed. And then he, <laughs> I love this moment because it's, it's, it's one of the more relatable moments in the book where he's, the guy leaves, leaves him alone. He's sitting there pondering the day. And he sips, he, he's finished his whiskey. He pours himself another nice big glass of the whiskey and he sits at his desk and he puts his head down on his desk just to, just to rest his eyes. <laughs> uh, they almost literally say that old mom excuse. I'm just resting my I'm eyes. Just resting my eyes. <laughs> yeah. And he's woken up by, by, uh, by, uh, but one of his crew and he looks at the clock and it's, it's, it's six hours has gone by. He's fallen asleep at his desk. He couldn't even his get to the bed. Just, uh, who yeah. could blame him? <laughs> So who could freaking blame? Yeah, Stanforth now is making a broadcast, a fleet-wide broadcast, basically giving the lowdown to the fleet with what they, what him and Keys had had already uh, discussed. But then they kind of they kind of get into their own readiness. Um, so they've actually made some repairs in the meantime. You know, the the Mac guns are ready to go. Right. Uh, some of the lower decks, the lower deck repairs have started, but the engines are operational. All that good stuff. So the Iroquois is kind of okay, and then it's, Keys, it's 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 on it's it's okay, but it's, it's okay. Not great. You know, a good a good you know solar breeze is probably going to take them. Could probably take them right. out, <laughs> but but they've but they've received uh, word that there are a huge amount of Covenant ships that are showing up at the edge of the system. They think about ten of them. And so he's just like, we can't fuck around. We got to get over there immediately. We got to get in on this. Um, even though he probably shouldn't, they, they're they going to get in on this. 
and uh, he orders everybody to battle stations. Yep, yep. Everyone, everyone, back, back to the same old shit. Chapter nineteen. We got some. We got some grunts. Not grunts, as in the covenant kind. We're we're talking. We're talking. We got some. Sorry, jarheads. Um, Actual jarheads on the ground. We got some yeah, jarheads on the ground. We got some marines, and they're they're doing marine shit. They're driving their warthog yeah. around. Um, I love warthog. Those those warthog. That's such a great design. Yeah, driving a warthog is so much fun. They got. But th- this is this is what begins a series of uh, of, of really kind of fast moving, good action packed chapters. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they're they are basically running for their lives because they have been overwhelmed by Covenant forces, uh, as 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 was suggested with the dropships, and they are just running. And we talk about Private Cochrane, uh, who uh, they filled him up full of foam, but they put right. They say Cochrane's insides were meat. Walker <laughs> and Fincher had filled him up with biofoam and taped him up. They even managed to stop the bleeding, but the, if the man didn't get to a medic soon, he was a goner. And it's like, it's about 10, maybe 12 pages of all of this action happening. And every now and then something happens where you're like, okay, so Cochran's dead this time. Huh? He finally, <laughs> no, and the man is invincible. Somehow this poor private Cochran just like survives one thing after the other. Because they're they're basically running from one area to another thinking that another base is in is is still existing and they get there and it's also been overrun by the covenant. Yeah. (laughs) They find out very quick that there's nothing that 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 uh, that that base was also completely wiped out. Well, not completely. There are only a few people left, though. So and they're yeah. they're going there. It's there's like a lot of it's there's a lot of Saving Private Ryan basically stuff in this in this absolutely. chapter. Absolutely, it's absolutely uh, Saving Private Cochran is basically the Pretty name much. of the chapter. Um. So you know, Firebase Bravo, Bravo Alpha headquarters are gone. Um. They're uh, they're asking for for help, and then suddenly there's a dropship inbound, and it's one of ours. And um, they're like, "One dropship? That's all they sent? Christ, that's not backup. That's a funeral detail." And but guess what? Guess what? Oh, they didn't my. count on who was in yeah. that dropship. And then uh, basically, uh, the first one that stepped off the ship strode toward him. Through his armor, though his armor was devoid of insignia, Harlan could see the insignia of a Master Chief Petty Officer in his helmet HUD. And it's been a while since we've actually had a Master Chief chapter. And then yeah, we haven't we haven't seen him. We haven't seen him this this entire section. And then um, yeah, we haven't seen him for a few chapters now. And Master Chief Master Chief's helmet cocked quizzically to one side. We've come to take Sigma Octanus Four back from the Covenant, Corporal. He said calmly. To do that, we're going to kill every last one of them. And it's like, and oh geez, and, shit! And the three hundred soundtrack just starts playing. What I it's, love in the audiobook. One of the things I actually do love about the audiobook is in this exact only in this scene they actually added some reverb to. The voice actor's yes, voice did. when he says this to to Corporal, as if it's like being projected out of his helmet. As like, 
that is awesome. <laughs> and it, and it, and it conveys a really what what you're going to start seeing from here on out with Master Chief with any of the Spartans, but with Master Chief in particular, is and is the way that people react to him. Uh, the way that normal people look at him. He is, he's this kind of God among men. And it, this is the perfect introdu- introduction to this. Cause we know who John is. We know he's just, he's Captain America. He's just this yeah. kind of clean cut brainwashed, frankly, kid um, who happens to, you know, have this incredible strength and speed and, and tactical mastery and that kind of thing. Uh, he, he has these incredible powers, but he's, he's, he's a, he's a, a lap dog, you know? And I, I, I mean that in both the positive and the negative right, sense. Right. He's, yeah, yeah. he's, he's all about his duty and, he's, uh, and he's the, a golden retriever. That, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. And, and he's, he's there to do his job and he's, and, th- and that gives him purpose and everyone looks at him, uh, as if he's got these, you know, it, it's never stated, but it made me think it kind of makes me think of the Watchmen a little bit when they talk about people reacting to Dr. Manhattan. Yes. You know, they, they look at these, he's got these secrets that, that we don't know. We don't understand. The difference is, is in Watchmen, Dr. Manhattan totally had those secrets. Uh, and, and in this master chief, it's like, Oh, if you want to know the most efficient way to blow the hell up out of this building or something like that, I, yeah, I can help you with that. Uh, but outside of that, he actually might have, less information than your average jarhead on yeah, the ground yeah. because he doesn't really have a personality he, or an opinion or a point of view. No, he just, he, he's not in intelligence. He doesn't do anything like that. He just, he gets pointed in a direction and told to go. Right. <laughs> right. He's a weapon. He is, he, is a, he is a weapon. He is doom guy for all intents and purposes. He is. He, is, he absolutely is doom guy right now. Like right doom, now. I, I doom guy has a little bit more personality in, in the joie de vivre of the way he kills. Sure. The genetic sure. in the way he kills he's things. Clearly, he's clearly enjoying himself. Yeah. <laughs> but, but in the same molds, um, in the same molds. Yeah. Master Chief is just rip and tear until the job is done. <laughs> right. And now, and, and, and Nyland has done a good job of setting it up that we know there's going to be a big drop eventually that happens where, you know, the, the wool is pulled out from, you know, over his eyes. Uh, we don't know when that's going to happen, but right now, yeah, he's, he's basically, he's basically doom guy without the enjoyment of his job on that yeah. level. Anyway. Yeah. He enjoys doing he his satisfaction duty. for his he gets job the satisfaction <laughs> out of doing his duty, not the actual execution of his duty. And that's the clear difference between right. the two of them. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So this is, this is a. And in this chapter, basically, we get another look at the Spartan team. They're still hanging out. They're still together. Yeah, we we got we got we got the Linda, you know, sniper, and I think there's Joshua is a new guy that that is now part of the team. Um, Kelly's still there. Kelly's still there. All the old favorites except Sam, because Sam, all, all all your favorites, yeah. Sam died because he's 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 floating around a. Uh, the, uh, Sam, an asteroid belt Sam, somewhere. Sam is somewhere in space, and that's fine. Right. That's a good spot for him. <laughs> now, a, a, a small detail: this area is called uh, Cote d'Azur. Yeah, 
which uh, literally translates. And by the way, I'm not trying to throw French around like I'm some like I understand. I work in the wine industry, so there are certain words you just know what they mean. Yeah. And Cote refers to uh, 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 hills. Right. Uh, so Cote is your. Uh, the Blue Hills. I'm assuming. Yeah, the Blue Hills. That's literally what it means. Now, to bring up the audiobook one more time, <laughs> the way he pronounces it, he says it really fast. And this might be the proper way to pronounce it. I'm not sure. But he's he's Cote du Jour, <laughs> which sounds like like Hill of the Day. <laughs> like, uh, like yes, could I have your menu. Cote du Jour? I would love to try your latest Cote du Jour. Mm, mm, that's good soil. Yeah, I like that. You said it's 10,000 years old? Lovely. Lovely. Uh, <laughs> is this a detail? I had to point out he kept going Cote du Jour. And I was trying to, I was doing work and stuff like that and listening to, the, a lot of times I'm listening to the audiobook and reading along and it just helps keep me up, um, keeps keeps me reading. And, uh, but this time I wasn't. And so I had to stop and grab the book and open it up and go, there's no way they named this place the Cote du Jour. <laughs> <laughs> They couldn't have done that. Although, and, and, but here's the thing. The more I thought about it, the more I said, but if he did name it the Cote du Jour, that's kind of genius. <laughs> because when you think about it, this is just another place for them to plant their flag. It's just another battle for them to win. Another it's planet just, to save. Nope. It's the hill of the day. Yeah. No, I mean. I think I think the where you took it to justify it being called Cote du Jour is more <laughs> clever than anybody would have naming something Cote du Jour. In my I'll be accepting my PhD in literary analysis now, please. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I had to bring up the Cote du Jour thing. I just it's rattling around in my brain. Oh no, I'm. It was like a song that you can't get out of your head. That's what you know. What that's what this podcast is 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 bringing up these little things that pop up right out of these books because it is we are out of the macro that is this chapter. The pronunciation, the repeated pronunciation in the audiobook of Cote d'Azur is is the thing. Is it's it's funny. It is funny because he does. It's up, he does. It's up there with Majolnir. Majolnir. And uh, John one seventeen instead of John one one seven. Right, right. <laughs> well, that one I have no idea. I would. I'm like. I'm I mean, I'm fine with that. Is. I don't care. I think. I, I, I. It doesn't matter to me. I. I, I think the Majolnir is. It's probably the most egregious one. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Um. So yeah, he uh, Master Chief does his thing. Red team is going to do this, and green team is going to do that, and blue team, I'll take him downtown. Questions. So yeah, they're they're just gonna they're just gonna do an op on this town, and they're splitting into blue, red, blue, and green. That's really really what it comes down to. It's like this chapter is it's good battle description, but it really is just that. So we're we're not gonna again we we we're not gonna give you every detail because a read the book it, you'll you'll enjoy the book. We uh, but b it also bore you tears at this point to hear it from us. And it's actually a fun action. It's a fun action packed yeah, little thing. And I think, so one of the big things that comes out of this chapter is actually, and this is actually after a few scene breaks is the introduction of a new alien to the covenant, uh, which they yes. are. It's basically like it, it just kind of floats and it's approaching cars on the street and disassembling them. 
and then reassembling them with its, its brain. It's diff like different ways. It's just it's basically playing with the car parts like Legos. Right. It's some kind of brain bug, basically. Yeah. It's it's uh yeah it's it's and this is the first time they've ever seen seen one of these. And John makes make sure that uh, whatever recording device is built into his helmet is working so that they can report this back. Right. Because they've seen grunts before. They've seen jackals. I believe they've seen the elites at this point. Um, I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. So the, and those are if you've played the game, those are the the three most common that you run into the the grunts, the the jackals, and the elites. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, they they see this and they're like, oh well, what the what the heck is that thing? But that's actually not even the first. Um, that's only the first of two new aliens that they run into. Chapter twenty one. We're back with Captain Keys. We are, and and there's an important detail that happens in this chapter uh, that there was a little bit of mention in uh, a couple of chapters ago that I think bears mentioning here. Uh, one of the first things that Keys has to figure out after that insane battle situation that that he pulled off uh, is what to do about the near treasonous uh, uh, bridge me- uh, member that uh, basically was not about was about to not accept his orders. Uh, and it, I'm, I'll, I'll go ahead and admit that I that I that this Captain Keys might, he might be the same one. What? That's brought up uh, in the opening chapters. <laughs> he might be. And if and, and if he was, that would be very smart because he considers that the kid made a mistake and he does, and, and he could be court-martialed for this kind of thing, right. but he remembers his own background uh, where he himself had been court-martialed. He had gotten in trouble and, and, and he believes in, you know, second chances, exactly. basically. But he does... But he does need to replace the guy. He yeah, d- he, he doesn't have, have him the on kid. The bridge. Right. He doesn't. He don't want. He doesn't want a firing squad on him. But he also can't have him on his ship. That that wouldn't work either. So in chapter twenty one, we find out that he has replaced him uh, with Ensign Lovell. Yeah, because he looked. He looked the kid up, and he also saw another person that he 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 uh, resonated with. Yeah, in the sense that he's got. This up and down kind of career path, and he said, "Let's shit. see if we can't." Yeah, and he, let's see if we can't give this kid a second chance too while we're at it. Yeah. Um. So and Lovell's hilarious in this because he's just kind of like, "What the hell am I doing here? Like, what am I doing?" And he's like, "You're there. Sit, sit there. <laughs> sit, sit there and do your job." And he's like, "Oh, okay, cool." And, <laughs> and literally, Captain Keith, he goes, he, "He's like, oh, good. He did his job. Good. That's a good I told him to sit there, and he sat there. That's good. That's good. That's good. First right? step. I like this kid. He's got he's got moxie. This kid. What's funny is, though is that Lovell. It's weird though, just a little bit because Lovell is set up at in the earlier chapter as like definitely not wanting to do any shit any uh, ever again, and then right. he quickly jumps into, yeah, I'll do it. Right. <laughs> I think I think part of him is kind of like. Uh, intrigued by the fact that he is he has been hand chosen by this commander who is now a hero. Yeah, you know he. I think I or a captain, as the case may be. I I think he is. I think that might 
that, that'll catch anybody's attention at that point. So you're at least going to go in there long enough to go, why am I here? Yeah, no, that's, so. that's true. Um, so otherwise we get some, some fleet maneuvers, um, and, and we have a reference to the revolutionary war. Um, a web of trajectories across the map with tiny countdown times next to each. Vice Admiral Stanforth had the fleet exchanging fire with the Covenant like a line of redcoats and colonial militia in the Revolutionary War. Tactics that could best be described as bloody or suicidal. So Keyes yeah, was like... Just a long line of broadsides just yeah. soaking up shots. Keyes is like, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is awful. It's just... Yeah, this is this is not good maneuvering. Yeah. Um so yeah, Keys, despite the Iroquois rough shape, basically gets back into the shit. Um, yeah, like wastes no time. And they we we get another great big damn naval battle. Yeah. Um the cradle, which was the repair station that they were just on, gets destroyed. They the cradle basically like lurched into in between um the Iroquois and the fleet and a bunch of like a salvo of missiles and gets taken out. Yeah, basically takes the shot for it, yeah, them. Yeah, it sacrifices uh, itself. And so they're not going they, they they absolutely are not going to waste uh that sacrifice. And they, they just push their engines to the point and if you remember correctly, when they first left their engines were at 50%. Uh, so they're just pushing themselves as hard and as fast as they can and going on a collision course Yeah, uh, for this Covenant ship. Yeah, they're they, just going to slam into so it. What ha- yeah, so basically what happens is they detect that there is a different Covenant ship around Sigma Octanus IV that has broken off from the main fleet. And realizing that they can't engage along with Stanforth and all that, all like... Uh, with basically the larger scale war, they find this other ship. It's basically like, it's like a, um, it's, it's a small vessel. It's basically, uh, what? it's like a, it's like a, it's like stealth. It's It's like a a stealth ship. It's a stealth, it's a stealth vessel. It's, it's, yeah, it's an intelligence vessel of some kind. So basically they're like, yeah, we're, we're going to ram it. Right. Yeah. Because fuck it. Like, like we, we got to do something. And indeed they do. They ram it and, and destroy it. And, and just destroy it because they needed, they, because fuck it. Let's get another win on the board. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, it ends with um, Lieutenant Hall saying, Jesus, I think we actually won that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a great ending to the chapter. They're like everyone's this. We're still following Master Chief, and so we see a lot of badass stuff happening. So it's real easy to forget that at no point have they started winning this war. (laughs) They are just—they're constantly just hanging on by a thread there, and so they—they win this thing. Yeah, this is—I think we actually won that one. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and but 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 Keys, as always, uh, uh, realizes that. They won because they got lucky. Yeah, they got on lucky. a lot of levels. So Stanford, basically, Stanforth with his line of ships had kind of outgunned the Covenant in this battle, and then Keys managed to, to ram this other ship. For the most part, going into Chapter Twenty Two, the the engagement out in space is done. 
um, which yeah. is super rare because the book starts with in the prologue. If you remember, the book starts with the opposite happening. Master Chief and his team easily win a ground ca- campaign. And meanwhile, up in space, uh, the the conflict up there is is just a mess. Yeah, it's just them running from one planet to another. So, uh, if anything, this is this is about as optimistic as it gets. Yeah. Um, so then, in, in chapter twenty two, basically, basically they're going to do the Raccoon City maneuver. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, on Cote d'Azur, uh, <laughs> which is which is just arm like place a nuke in the center of the city and bo- and blow it up. <laughs> yeah, they're just yeah, they're just like it's it. Once again, we are back to you know scorched earth politics here, where it's just like let's we're just going to we're just going to burn this thing down yeah. because everyone's dead and and therefore this will kill a bunch of the covenant and. Any intelligence we might have had in there, gone. Yeah. So they just basically, long story short, that that's what they do. Yeah, that's that's the goal. It's, um, but meanwhile, they find out that um, they start, you know, John starts to gather some intelligence regarding why the Covenant is actually there. Um, and they're in a museum, mm-hmm. of all places. Um Insert your Indiana Jones references here. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> they're in a museum. No fewer than six, please. It, yeah. It, they belong in a museum. Well, they're in a museum. <laughs> belong in a museum, clearly. So, yeah, they they approach the museum to to get in there. Um, basically, Kelly asks Master Chief, what are our orders? And he goes, we're going in. Use your silencers. Don't engage the enemy. The place is too hot. We'll just poke our noses in and see what's what's going on. You just want. He's right. just curious. He is just yeah, curious yeah, at just, this point, which is which, not a, which is not something he's known. He's for. not known for his curiosity. <laughs> um, but even there, like that's the thing is like this is so out of the ordinary for the covenant that even somebody like Master Chief is like, maybe I should take a look at this. <laughs> we need to know what's going on. Exactly, you know the the covenant has been. Nothing, if not reliable, lately. It, 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 well, since the beginning, it's been of it, like they, they've been know, fighting them for ten years or something like that. Yeah, at this point, and you know what to expect from them at this point, and and suddenly the narrative is getting changed, right? And a and even a you know point towards enemy and get away guy like Ma- Master Chief wants to know what the hell that's all about, right? They find a jackal that had been crunched underfoot under boot by uh-huh. a larger creature they're like well okay this is also kind of weird we've never seen a covenant alien like that would have done this um and then right. finally they they see them master chief hadn't seen them at first because they were so motionless and so massive he had no doubt that one of them had crushed the jackal that had gotten in its way and we basically get this mass this this battle against these gi- two gigantic aliens um oh yeah that can go toe to toe with the spartans easily uh physically they're just they're just big boys these and uh i forget what they're called uh but these 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 are these are these are pretty familiar again familiar, familiar aliens yeah, for anyone they take a lot they're basically yeah. um just the bullet spongiest yeah, I was about to say they're they're very bullet spongy i remember last 
I was, I was, I was, they're, I was they're fighting bullet them. sponge porcupines. Yes. Yeah, they're just, they just, they're covered in spikes. They just use all your ammo. Giant pain in the ass. And that's what Master Chief finds out. Yeah. <laughs> and he's recording all of this as well. So they find that basically they're, they're protecting this, this pink quartz monolith that, that, that's what, that's what the covenant is after. Seemingly, and that yeah, and the the reasoning behind that is definitely a, a mystery. At yeah, the, Ma- at the time. Master Chief is not the one that's going to figure that out. <laughs> no, no, but you know everything we know about the Covenant up until this point is that they're basically a religious organization. So uh, that's 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 immediately what got into my head with this. You know, there's 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 a level of uh, idol worship there, right? Uh, so yeah, it was, that was, that was pretty cool. That was a, that was a pretty cool detail. After this encounter, they leave, they, they beat it out of Cote d'Azur. Yeah. They, they, they get some civilians out of there, uh, you know, and, yeah, and, red they, and they, yeah, there's like red and green team. They were charged with getting civilians out of there, there. And, uh, and this is, this was an interesting moment when they finally get back. Uh, one of the, uh, uh Corporal Harland here, uh, shows up and he, and he, he asks them, this is a very telling moment to me. He says, uh, sir, how did you do it? The civilian said you got them out of the city, passed an army of covenant, sir. How? John cocked his head quizzically. It was our mission, corporal. <laughs> it's just like, and, it, and he's not being a smart ass and he's not being a tough guy. It's literally just like, that's the, you know, that is literally how he did it. Right. Exactly. Nothing, nothing supersedes the mission. And the corporal has nothing, <laughs> nothing he can do, but just go, okay. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Just, um, yeah. And then they detonate. And that's the all. And that's a little bit about what I was talking about with the way that people regard him. You know, he's so alien to them. Yeah. You know, it's 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 really interesting. Exactly. He is he is he is seemingly from another world. Um, and the chapter ends with they detonate the the nuke. Eric Nyland doesn't even add any any flavor text to this. He he just yeah. says mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Cote d'Azur is destroyed, uh, along with whatever Covenant detachment was occupying it. Right, right. That's that's that. That is that. That is that. Brush your hands of it, and we're good. Uh, and that brings us back to the Iroquois, Captain Keys, and, uh, and our Captain Keys, who's steadily becoming my favorite character. <laughs> yeah. I think it's amazing. I, I love this guy. <laughs> he's he is he's a really good character, and I'm glad that um, I'm glad that they took that Eric Nyland took our advice from episode one mm-hmm. and brought him back, and brought him back just in time, by the way, because like he was he was paying close attention, and I really appreciate I that. appreciate it as well. So Captain yeah. Keys is our victory, uh, people. That is that is our our win. And it's a really good thing having played the first Halo. Let me just say right here that it's a really good thing that nothing bad happens to him in that. <laughs> uh just because that you know, you know after all that that I was paying like really close attention to what happens. Yeah. And it's just such a good thing uh that throughout the first Halo game that nothing bad happens to Kevin Keys. Uh so we come back to him and He's, he's, he's upset. He's, he is, uh, he is the grumpiest of Gus's, uh, because 
he's just basically contemplating what they just dealt with. Basically what we talked about, right. you know, a- Admiral Stanforth is, is excited because they got their win. Uh, but they lost just a ton of people, and, and the casualty figures the, are out of the world. What's the word for that? World. It's a Pyrrhic victory? A Pyrrhic victory, exactly. When you win, but at what at cost? What cost? <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah, and that's it. That's exactly what this is. And they, it's, it, it's, it's them, you know, doing a sensor sweep and basically just kind of cleaning up, uh, all the broken lives and the debris and everything like that. Uh, Everything uh, was, was just crazy, but he gets, he does get his, his little, his own personal win. It's a good thing. He gets his own little victory here because at this point, even, even this level of, of pessimism would, would wear on some. Yes, it would. But, (laughs) but he starts to notice that his crew Based on how everything was going, the the morale is increasing. They've leveled despite up, despite the fact that they lost so many. Yeah, exactly. They've leveled up. They uh, hit the experience, uh, the the right amount of experience points. The Final Fantasy battle music is playing in the background of all of their heads. Right. It, it, it's, it, this is a great example. It, it, it says, uh, as he looked at this crew, he noticed that something was different. Lieutenant Hikawa's movements were crisp and determined, as if everything she did now would decide their next battle. It made a startling contrast to her normally lethargic efficiency. And and then he describes, you know, various members of the team that no matter how tired they are, no matter what they've seen, everyone's stepping lively. Everyone's looking sharp and determined and focused again. And so he he has to kind of concede that you know, maybe maybe this win after all was pretty damn important yep. because this is how we're going to win. We can't if everyone's just accepting death and defeat, then that's exactly what's going to happen. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then he gets he gets a message from Stanforth saying uh, to to basically get back to reach. He needs to get back to reach yep. right away. Um, because the ONI needs to have words. Yeah, because because nothing changes. Because even in a, a, a situation where it's it is literally our entire world fighting against a uh, alien invasion, uh, intelligence is still trying to fuck with us. Basically, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's just it's it's the local cops versus the FBI all over again. Basically, it's it's that trope. Uh, and the ONI is yeah. just the worst kind of FBI agent there. The ONI is basically um, Agent Johnson and Johnson from Die Hard. Right. right exactly. <laughs> exactly. So they start heading back to reach and we get this brief moment here at the very end of the chapter that tells us uh, as the Iroquois is plowing through space. Uh, anybody who cared to notice, and of course no one does, a tiny piece of debris, which is uh, what turns out to be a tiny automated probe uh, of the Covenants. So it's going, which is going to be reporting back to the Covenant, telling them, the Iroquois, every move. So it's a very dun-dun-dun yep. kind of moment to end the chapter. Yep. And then finally, we come to chapter 24. Yeah. Uh, which I think this is my favorite chapter in the section, if you can believe it. 
Is it like, because it's serious? Because it's set in Camp Hathcock. I mean, that's that's only part of it. it I mean, that's like forty five percent of it max. Uh, that's how good this Jeff was. No, uh, for all of the uh, this is basically what I would call. So this is the last chapter in the section, and I would call this basically a post mortem because you find out exactly what he's talking about with the intelligence coming in. Uh, and it's a moment where Keys, Master Chief, and even Halsey, everyone kind of, you see everybody again, and everyone has to talk to intelligence and report what happened. And we only f- see it from Master Chief's point of view, uh, but they are clearly agitated. They're frustrated with him. They're frustrated with the actions he took yep. uh, in destroying the city. Uh and he doesn't get it. Right. He truly doesn't get it. Because he did what he was ordered to do, and intelligence right. is angry at him. Right, exactly. It, and 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 it's 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 the beginning of what must be uh Master Chief's uh his loyalty, his brainwashing slowly starting to peel back because it's the first time ever that he's basically he describes uh the tone of voice and the way they're treating him. Uh, he, it says that he feels a little bit like he's in combat, yep. um, which of course he is, uh, uh, in a way, yeah. uh, they are, they are second guessing him. Uh, they're, they're reprimanding him, they're questioning that kind his, of thing. They're like questioning his, I forget his, his um, what his, so, uh, you do know master chief that not answering truthfully or omitting any relevant details will lead to a court martial. John bristled as if he could ever forget his duty. Right. Like, That's all he does. Yeah. This is it's, his li- it's, that it's, is, that is him. Like his duty and yeah. his ego are are completely intertwined at this point as a character. Right. There's there's nothing to him but his duty. Uh it, since he's been 6 years old. Right. Uh and so the idea that the people that he's on, it's it kind of harkens back to when he killed all of those uh <laughs> those <laughs> the ODSTs. The ODSTs, exactly. Uh, and, and and he was like, well, these guys were on my side, but they were an enemy at the same time. And it's like, uh, yeah. uh, system error, error. <laughs> you know, it's the same kind of thing, because it's like, these guys are on my side, but they're questioning my motives and they're questioning my motivations. I, I, I Because he has no other, he has no other motives or motivations. There's nothing to it but what they want him to do. Um you know him. I, I feel like this is the beginning of him just starting to go. Oh fuck! Yeah. And then at the end, we have a we have a lovely reunion with him and Halsey. Yeah. Halsey, is, uh, which is which kind of sweet in a way. Yeah, it is. It is very sweet for them. It's like basically his. It's basically seeing his mommy. Yeah, yeah. That's oh my gosh. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> it's so cute because he like he sees her, and he and he uh, salutes her. Right. And and you can kind of see in her the way she reacts to it. She's just kind of like, oh, sweetie. Uh, okay. Still a civilian. Like, Halsey's not still a civilian, John. Right, <laughs> right. And she's not. And she's not the warm and cuddly type. So it's not like she's gonna go in for a hug or any damn thing. Right. But like, <laughs> it's awkward. Like he's awkward. She's a little awkward. Yeah. And and they're just kind of talking about you know. She just she literally goes, "How are you, Master Chief?" Which. No one's ever done. And that brings me back to what I've been saying this whole time uh, about how people react to him. Uh, before this, he had seen Commander Keys, 
who had treated him, who he only recognized after after a moment, and who who kind of looks at him in kind of this amused way and gives him some advice on how to handle the intelligence. And then Dr. Halsey, who does kind of treat him like a, a you know, like an immensely waspy mother, yeah. but a mother yeah. nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, you know, very cold, but but still mommy. <laughs> and uh <laughs> and uh and these two people are the only people who treat him in this non-awestruck sort of way. Yeah. Uh which I think is it's it's very interesting. Keys is uh, like Keys's relation to him is interesting because Keys knew like what so both of them knew him as a child. Um right. And they he, saw exactly where he came they from. They saw where he came from. They're the only two people that know that saw literally his home. Um so right. I think that's that's kind of an interesting dynamic um to to have with these these characters. Now John doesn't remember Keys at all, but Keys definitely remembers John as a kid. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it it's it's a very so it's a very uh, that's why I re- I really liked this chapter because it really says something about the characters. Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it, it's a moment to stop, uh, there's a bunch of blood and guts and killing and it's terrific. And then you stop and, and you get, you know, these are all heroic, you know, characters in their own way. And then you get a moment and go, oh, well, they're, they really are different though, uh, in their own ways. And it's, it's really neat. It is neat. And then to, and then to ruin, uh, that tender moment, uh, the very final page has this moment uh, that I'm going to read. Uh, she, she asks him how he is and he says, I'm fine, ma'am. Uh, we won it, Sigmus Octanus. It was good to have a complete victory. Indeed it was. She paused and glanced about. How would you like to have another victory? She whispered the biggest we've ever had. And, and I wrote in my book, is she, are they going to fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, so like, I didn't, I didn't read it like that. <laughs> <laughs> This is this is just how immature I am. So like I read it as like <laughs> as like because she's like she's like a parental figure. So she's like it's just imagine John oh. as a little boy and she's like how would you like to have another victory? The would biggest you like that would boy? you like would that? Would you like that? <laughs> and she's oh, Okay, <laughs> see. See. See you're a father. Yeah. That's the <laughs> Your and father, like, and I'm a like, the, and I'm a recently reformed scumbag. <laughs> so that tells you, it tells you about that makes more sense than I ever meant it to. <laughs> that was a really good reading on on us as that just that yeah little, that, that just little that Rorschach really, test. That was amazing. <laughs> Yeah, that, she's that, basically like, cut this clip out and send it to my psychiatrist. Basically, like, yeah, she's like a parent, like saying, "Do you want a bigger piece of candy?" <laughs> yeah, the, the, you, and 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 now that you point that out, you're right. Uh, <laughs> and that brings us to the end of the yeah, section. That's the end of section three. Dun, 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 dun. That's the end of section three. <laughs> <laughs>